Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at at BMB21. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Stock Talking. It is Sunday, August 2nd, SPY at a round 326.52. And we got the impervious on, Sean Bush on the show. How you doing, buddy? Oh, it's a day that ends in Y, so I'm happy to talk some stocks with my man, Ben. What's going on? I'm good, man. Uh, got back from Whole Foods a little earlier today. Uh, amazing shopping experience. I got to say, Whole Foods does it very well during COVID. I'm very glad I've been a shareholder in Amazon for the last few years. Bye, bye, uh, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good times at Whole Foods. But let's get into the market. Uh, we'll start off as we usually do by reviewing our $100 bet. I have Berkshire Class B. You have Triple Q, the NASDAQ 100. So as of May 1st, um, I'm actually now at a 7% return, which I'm quite proud of. Um, Apple, I think, has been really driving uh, the Oracle stock up. So that's been great. Um, you are up 25%. So again, you, you seem to have gotten the full year's returns um, in a little bit more than a month. And the market over that time is up 15.5%. So again, you have a commanding lead. Um, I did eke out a victory for you in this week's Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But uh, yeah, you got to be feeling pretty good about tech right now. Especially after Thursday, huge, huge beats from some of the titans in the tech space between Facebook, Apple, and Amazon. So despite the huge run-up, the, the Qs found a way to blow even higher. Another week goes by, another reminder how good of a bet this was. And despite the uh, huge exposure from uh, Berkshire with Apple, uh, I don't think there's any way that you can replace just the revolving door of, of moonshots and the, and the cues in the tech. And so happy to get into some more details here about why this may be really the only bright spot in a market that appears to be moving up. But if it wasn't for the massive, massive strength of, of tech and the new modern blue chip, I think we'd be looking at a, a much different market. Yep. And let's take this time to review the previous week. I think this is one of the most significant weeks we've had since we started doing the podcast. Second quarter earnings honestly blew me away. I did not expect results to be nearly as good as they were. The tech giants reported absolutely tremendous results. Uh, let's hear your thoughts on what last week was like. So biggest week since we've been doing that, that's, that's quite the statement because I think we've seen uh, a lot of very, very uh, eye-opening or uh, eyebrow-raising weeks so far. But for sure, this, this week really was pretty choppy uh, with several both major sell-offs and rallies that really couldn't get any continuation going. And you know, we, if we saw a sell-off to end the day, uh, we'd see a gap up the next day and a move upwards, and then a rally at the end of the day would be sold in futures and open lower. And so everyone in the beginning of the week really looked to be uh, waiting to see what the response would be when basically 35% of the indexes reported. And I tell you what, it was pretty impressive sitting there staring at the charts and watching the candles just explode off the charts for some of these companies that are you know massive, massive market caps. So to see 
such huge beats and then such massive price action after the close on multiple companies, just billions and billions of dollars of market cap created right there, uh, is certainly an impressive showing. Uh, and this coming on the heels of uh, the confirmation that GDP uh, was down basically 33% in the second quarter, which the market collectively shrugged at. And they saw Apple, Amazon, Facebook made money, bye, bye, bye. And so that looked like such a strong uh, confirmation of basically the market, we'll call this market 2.0 in 2020, where while a lot of other sectors have been and continue to be beaten down, uh, the champions of the last few months and really the last few years continue to just dominate. And I think there's definitely more cause for concern there uh, for me than there is you know, massive optimism. I mean, the cues will will probably manage just fine moving forward. But the price action Friday should be concerning to a lot of uh, traders out there. Um, despite that huge gap up Thursday afternoon, we saw uh, some selling overnight led by uh, small caps um, with the RTY futures uh, starting to diverge um, overnight very heavily from SPY and TQ or in, in the, the triple Qs. And IWM tends to be sort of a leading indicator. Uh, it'll usually start moving up before the other indexes catch up and weakness in IWM is usually a harbinger of some potential danger elsewhere. Uh, so to see IWM down, VIX up, but the Qs and SPY up was definitely spelling trouble. So Friday we saw quite a bit of selling with uh, a face-ripping rally to end the day and take us where we are sitting just below uh, 327. Uh, and we've just been bouncing around the same range for a while. There seems to be this balance zone between really 320 and 326. But um, despite really tapping on that 327 range, which uh, breaking through that some volume would open up the door to all-time highs, um, again, no continuation any of the previous times we've got there. So what really stood out to me this week is despite the strong finish on Friday and especially the after-hours action on Thursday, uh, Thursday and Friday, um, we saw increased volume, but both days there was uh, a, an imbalance with more of the volume on the sell side, uh, despite some of the price action moving up there. So that really means that just a few companies, and the same ones, the Facebooks, Apples, and Amazons, that have really been dominating, continue to keep the market afloat while just about every other sector, whether that's financials, uh, energy, travel, industrials, occasionally show signs of life, but are really just languishing. And I think that GDP number really shows that since there's huge beats in the tech space, that, that money and uh, market cap is coming from elsewhere. This really isn't a zero-sum game. So not all ships are being raised by that sea. I think there's definitely some, some risk here, despite sort of the optimism. People switch very quickly market-wise and on Twitter from bearish to bullish just on one strong finish. So I think it's a little unrealistic to call for a rug pull or anything like that. But um, considering that volume on the buy side isn't there when it's needed to be or on the sell side when it's needed to be, I think we're looking at some more chopping in the weeks moving forward. Uh, and there's a couple other indicators. I think uh, looking at the Treasury notes, TLT continuing to move up, potentially primed for a big breakout. And then other risk off indicators like precious metals continuing to boom. Uh, and despite some VIX suppression and it's broken below support, uh, it wouldn't take much to get a, a major VIX breakout and back above that level, potentially uh, boosting well above 30 and creating some, some fun for the bears. But uh, interested to see what you were seeing as well last week, Ben. 
Yeah, I think I'll, I'll give the fundamental investor side of this. So I, I think this week may have switched me from neutral to bullish on the market. And I want to start off by talking about Apple because, again, it has kind of alternated between you know, largest and second largest stock on the S&P. Um, you know, pretty much leads the market in a lot of cases. And I can't say enough about what a strong quarter uh, Apple had. I mean, I think this is one of the most shareholder-friendly companies in the entire world, if not the most shareholder-friendly company. So you know, all throughout the quarter, they were buying back, back stock. They have a really friendly uh, stock repurchase program. You know, they've been increasing the dividend the last couple of years. And you know, the company is growing in high teens in certain sectors. Um, you know, iPhone growth, which was supposed to be down, um, ended up being slightly up on the quarter. Um, but again, how many shots on goal this company has is incredible. Um, you know, obviously, it's, it's not just iPhone. It's Mac. It's the services division. It's wearables. You know, wearables alone, um, you know, Tim Cook mentioned this on the call, would be a separate Fortune 100 company um, if it could be separately spun off. So you know, they, they did so much great stuff, and the call was incredible. Um, and then they announced that they're going to split the stock four to one. So every Apple shareholder, um, you know, myself included, will get three shares for every uh, current share they have. They did this, of course, to make the stock more affordable uh, for the retail investor, which is kind of funny because most uh, major brokerages now have fractional share programs. Um, that said, like, I think after this blowout quarter, um, even though Apple didn't issue guidance, it's really hard to bet against the company. And I know they trade at whatever, 30 times uh, trailing earnings. But I think the, the forecast going forward is so great. I mean, this company really is growing um, like a startup. And it's amazing it's as big as it is uh, because I think a lot of smaller companies would love to have their numbers. Um, so again, I, I don't think the multiple is that rich on Apple. I think it's probably teens or 20s uh, forward earnings. Um, as a multiple to revenue, I'm not sure. Not sure you should value Apple on that. But again, I, I don't think we're looking at an insane valuation. So I think Apple has a ton of room to run. And of course, you know, when it goes up 10%, like it did on Friday, that is adding an Exxon Mobil in market cap. Um, so again, everyone's seen the graphics of you take five stocks out of the market, Apple being one of them, the market's down. But those stocks, you know, be it Facebook, Apple, uh, Amazon, Netflix, Google, um, all are having killer quarters. I mean, Facebook, again, grew 10% um, in advertising revenue when a time when a number of companies are boycotting it. So that, it just seems like nothing can bring down the big tech stocks. Um, just really, really stellar growth. And uh, again, like there's no reason that people should be buying wearables uh, during a, a terrible pandemic or should be ordering iPhones. Uh, but it does appear to be happening. I think there's a lot more pent-up demand uh, than some economists are giving credit for. Obviously, the 30% plus dip in GDP and the unemployment numbers are pretty bad. But again, the market looks on a go-forward basis. So six months ahead, um, I think if you look at some of these companies' earnings, uh, it's pretty bullish. Um, the other one I want to talk to about, which I talked about in uh, postcoronastocks.com, so check out my latest newsletter, uh, PayPal, who reported on the 29th, just blew the cover off earnings. Best second quarter in the history of the company. Um, any metric you look at, they absolutely crushed it. Um, so again, active accounts up 21% year over year, 25% increase in revenue, 137% year over year increase in net new actives, 30% increase in total payment volume. Uh, Honey tripled revenue. Honey, of course, is a company they bought last year, does a ton with coupons and rewards programs. Uh, Venmo, Stellar Quarter, um, Zoom, which is kind of their division uh, for international uh, payments, it also did extremely well. So everything I heard out of that PayPal uh, conference call, 
I was a huge fan of. And again, I think PayPal is a decent proxy um, for economic activity, right? It is digital payments. So a lot of the demand, which was previously physical, um, is now going into e-commerce. And, and you know, I, I could go on forever about how I love e-commerce and all the kind of tertiary, secondary, primary plays related to it. On the primary side, I want to get into talking about Shopify and Mercado Libre um, on this podcast or, or on future ones we have. But overall, I mean, I, I think if you're a bear on, on this market, um, I, I guess you're bearish on traditional sectors of the economy because if you're looking to be bearish on e-commerce or payments or, or tech in general, it's really hard to bet against those results. I think you'd have to do so on a technical basis and say valuations are a little crazy. But again, I, you know, going back to Apple, I don't think the valuation is that insane. Um, when companies are growing at the rate they're growing at, um, you can have a pretty high PE or pretty high uh, multiple to revenue, and it will work out over a number of years if you believe in the core story. So again, I think the story is what we've we've heard from a number of people, which is e-commerce has been pulled forward three to five years. Um, and we're, we're seeing growth that we weren't supposed to see for, for years in the future. So these companies should be revalued. And I think it's fair to see some of the valuations that we're seeing on some of the big tech names. Um, so again, I, I think fundamentally, I, I feel pretty bullish on the tech sector. Rest of the market, not so sure. Um, but yeah, that, those are my two cents on it. Uh, I think the technicals, as you said, uh, it's a little concerning to see um, some of the cryptocurrency stuff taking off and some of the flight to safety stuff kind of trading uh, pretty well because that suggests general concern in the market. But yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on the technical side. Yeah, so mostly to play on the contrarian side because, you know, looking at huge beats uh, across the board, again, it's really hard to be bearish uh, considering that there's definitely a lot of pressure and a lot of scrutiny considering the run-up uh, for all of these stocks. But I think it is important to note, note a few things here. I mean, first of all, it seems like just yesterday when uh, some of these companies across the one trillion dollar uh, market cap line just not too long ago, and here's Apple basically eight percent away from being a two trillion dollar company, a size and scale of of one company which is just massive and almost you know hard to comprehend. And one thing we saw this week, which you know may not really have material impact on any of these businesses, but with the congressional hearings and concern about sort of antitrust. Uh, issues with some of the the large tech companies. All that's really happened in this last week is that tech hegemony uh, has increased. So do I think that Congress uh, really has the power to do anything or worst case Trump, you know, putting out some type of executive order, not sure what it would do. Um, there does seem to be at least some top down pressure or concern about how big and powerful uh, these companies are and definitely stifling uh, any competition. And I think also digging into the numbers, there's definitely a few causes for concern. First of all, I think uh, particularly with Apple and Amazon, they've definitely benefited from a kind of unique type of regulatory capture here. Uh, one thing that ran out this week were the unemployment benefits, the extra $600. So in Apple's case, uh, great consumer electronic sales uh, could definitely be attributed in some degree to uh, additional uh, spending 
power for the middle class uh, and other people who may not have that much expendable income since there were plenty of uh, folks out there who are actually making more on unemployment than they were working, you know, whatever type of job they were. So there's definitely going to be an influx of cash there, certainly at the expense of buying power in general and should be cause for concern for anyone that's uh, calling for a stim bill and forgiveness of rent, forgiveness of student loans. That'll just absolutely destroy buying power. And so the more cash that consumers have to buy things like uh, Apple products and, and any other type of discretionary purchases, um, the more expensive everything gets in general. And that's why you are seeing uh, price increases in things like precious metals and crypto. And we'll definitely get into that a little bit more. But also with Amazon, there's going to be a major influx in online purchases with a number of other retail options, either limited or completely unavailable. Uh, so if you can't even go to buy something from anywhere else but Amazon, then there is a, a benefit there for Amazon being the only option um, so the COVID environment has definitely created a favorable setup for these companies. And certainly they've capitalized. It would be uh, pretty damning if they were to drop the ball with uh, so much in, in their favor. But if we were to return to normal, if that's still sort of the assumption in the direction we're going, you have to think that there comes a point in time where there are other options or consumers return to maybe some of the preferred more local options when it comes to things like shopping versus having uh, groceries or other um, regularly purchased products delivered. And another thing to point out here, well, first of all, I think we also learned how terrible analyst predictions are. I don't know who makes them, but when someone gives you some type of analyst prediction, uh, you should probably question that because they've been so far off in so many different places. You know, may maybe that's just, you know, a monkey sitting behind a desk somewhere uh, banging on some symbols and that's how they get their numbers. But I think we've seen that that just kind of proves that nobody really knows what to expect with any of these numbers. But Moving on from that, one, one area with Amazon as well that I think is definitely a little bit of a cause for concern is that they did not beat on the AWS um, revenues, and that should certainly spell concern for a lot of the cloud companies, meaning that cloud growth, which is definitely key to a lot of uh, the darlings that we've talked about in this podcast in the past, some of the different cloud and SaaS companies, uh, should definitely be a cause for concern with massive run-ups in, in different areas. Uh, and seeing as that part of Amazon's business that I think it would be assumed would be growing with this move to work from home uh, is slowing. And I believe this was the first quarter it did not grow. Uh, definitely represents uh, some risk elsewhere in the market, even if Amazon continues to be strong and continues to be really the one-stop shop for retail. Um, but that's that's definitely got to be something that I think is a finite condition or a finite situation here, uh, which definitely, you know, might not be reflected, especially with guidance being pulled uh, or not available for some of these companies. Too much uncertainty moving forward means that continuing this type of growth and continuing to trade like a growth stock uh, is, is definitely a risky assumption. But that said, no one's going broke investing in Apple. So, you know, now's as good a time as any to throw a few bucks in there. So some quick rebuttal points, uh, if you may allow it, sir. So on the Amazon side, I do want to talk to AWS for a second because I thought some of the headlines around the AWS numbers were pretty hilarious. So uh, you know, the, the one from CNBC I specifically want to call out is AWS slows to 29% growth. So 29% growth, again, is excellent. Like again, if you look at that on a compounding basis, you're a double in three years, or actually probably a little bit less than three years. Uh, companies would die to have 29% growth. So 
I know it's a miss. I know the expectation was, you know, these guys have done 30% plus, um, you know, multiple years in a row. Like, what's this sub 30 quarter? But again, it's just a number. And when you get to that type of growth, it becomes difficult to forecast. Obviously, they're comp- competing with Azure, uh, GCP, Google Cloud Platform, DigitalOcean. There's a, a bunch of players out there. But I think this is a, a place where the entire pie can expand. But it's difficult to say any individual quarter um, what cloud demand is going to look like. Obviously, companies have different needs based on the time of year. Is, is, I think it's highly seasonal. You know, so many companies in the, in the cloud space, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is enormous for them. So I want to wait a little bit longer before we say AWS growth track is on the decline. Uh, I, I don't believe that to be the case. I think it's really, really difficult to criticize 29% growth. So th- those are my two cents on AWS. On the idea that uh, there's going to be a slowdown in growth once COVID is over and we return back to normal because there are more retailers, more options. Uh, there's not such of a claim um, on all the demand from the Apples and Amazons of the world. Not sure about that one either. Uh, I think if COVID ends, it's going to be a rising tide lifts all boats type scenario. And again, I, I like to go back to the larger pie for all type analogy. I, I do think um, if we ever get back to the point where you know you can wear a mask, you don't have to wear a mask and can go on a, an airplane um, and things are totally back to February 2019 or uh, 2020, excuse me, we're going to have, uh, I think SPY will probably be at 400 at that point, right? It's going to be something spectacular. And all, all the good that's happened uh, for, for Amazon and Apple uh, this last couple months, I think, is consumers actually who may not have been with Prime members before may not have really been on Apple or Amazon products seeing, wow, this company really does live up to the hype. Uh, people who are late on the adoption curve being moved earlier up that curve. Um, and again, there, there's enough to go around uh, all different ways. You can, I mean, I buy off Amazon and I buy off Shopify. I buy off, uh, you know, independent retailers. So again, I think the end of COVID will just signal that the economy is going to be back to positive GDP growth. Um, I think it's going to be great for stocks in general. So again, not convinced that COVID is a one-time benefit to the tech giants. I think if anything, it's it's going to be a continuing benefit and get, we're seeing gains moved earlier. Um, and people are kind of recognizing that, wow, this is a powerful brand, a powerful company in the case of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, uh, Google, Netflix. And, uh, you know, we, maybe it's fair to say that, uh, you know, going back to your point about Wall Street analysts, uh, they underestimated the changes that the tech giants were going to bring to society. So overall, I mean, you can tell my, my ultra um, bullish thoughts on this, but not convinced by either of your bare arguments against the tech companies. Yeah, and to take a big picture look here as far as, you know, bull and bear, I think that being bullish on tech is going to continue to be the winning bet here. Um, actually, the week ahead, I, I think that there's definitely room for a bit of pullback and cool off with the cues basically hitting up on top of that upward trend trending channel that it's been in you know so a drop you know maybe 10 points or so on the cues is definitely within range of that uptrend and you know would fit sort of a cooling off after a huge move up um, really supporting the entire market so again after those earnings it's hard to feel bearish about tech and you're looking at some of the other factors that we've been talking about before on the COVID front we're seeing slower slowing cases and deaths in the south and west which is definitely strengthening 
optimism around continued reopening, but we are seeing cases flare up uh, in Europe, Australia, and elsewhere. Uh, I don't know which wave we are on now, but even if things were to improve, I don't think that the fear-mongering around future waves, especially one closer to election, are necessarily going away. So I don't see uh, any of the social distancing or mask precautions changing anytime soon. Uh, and with basically upward movement in or continued growth in travel, uh, airlines really stalling, um, those figures are probably going to be continuing to, to stall until we move back to some type of system where there is no mask. And I don't know that a vaccine really solves that because that's just another issue, another polarizing political debate, not the, the silver bullet that people are looking for. But again, looking at some more bullish things that, that we got coming up, um, we are uh, looking at another stim bill, something that would certainly extend some of those uh, unemployment benefits and just pump more money um, into the economy. And right now, it seems like Congress is, is definitely a bit deadlocked. Uh, some of the updates, depending on the way the market's moving, either indicate that uh, there are some concessions willing to be made on one side, um, but it does seem like we are not necessarily going to get one, and certainly not today. And I think politicians are smart enough to know that they can continue pumping the market with updates on progress without really having any meaningful or material uh, progress on a stim bill getting out there. So I think there is definitely a, another stim bill pump um, that we can certainly see this week uh, leading to a strong rally. And I'm sure its timing will be very appropriate based on, on where things are going with a um, strong finish Thursday and Friday. I don't think there is as much urgency to get something done. So I don't see that changing um, right away. But as soon as that pops, it's going to get devoured by the algorithms. But looking just market-wide, and this is mostly really outside of the tech space, uh, I think there still is a strong bear argument to be made. Um, first and foremost, the record GDP contraction depression level GDP contraction is certainly not something that can be uh, dismissed. And you know that lack of production is coming from somewhere, even if it's not in uh, the digital ad-based revenue or, you know, consumer electronics space, which, which is still strong. Um, it's coming from somewhere. So the, the strength in, in bullishness of tech is definitely in some part, at least in my opinion, um, being fed by the dead corpses of, of other sections. Again, financials, energy, transport, small caps as a whole really are, are stalling out and have no, no decisive direction. So if we say, you know, return to pre-COVID levels, that definitely means more than just tech and more than um, just some consumer discretionary spending. We're going to need to see some type of, of growth and move up. And with uh, crude oil really uh, struggling to get over that $40 resistance, which has been fairly significant resistance, not just in the post-COVID era, but for, for some time. Also, the high amount of unemployment. You know, there's got to be some profitability created by absolutely slashing operating revenues. Uh, and if there is diminished spending in other areas, I don't see things like business travel or office space continuing to be a necessary cost for a lot of these companies. And that's going to have a ripple effect in the impact of which is going to be felt somewhere. Uh, cer certainly, uh, commercial real estate looks like um, there, there is some risk there uh, since having store closures really did nothing to affect 
um, sales for for companies like Apple and also Microsoft announcing that they are closing all of their stores is is probably a good sign that retail establishments are not necessary uh, to have a strong retail arm with e-commerce being such a uh, a strength in the economy. Um, but what's really got to be concerning again is that risk on assets, uh, including um, precious metals and TLT, continue to move up. So if you've got the market moving up and those risk on assets are moving up, and even if VIX is green while the indexes are green, you know, that spells some trouble ahead. You'd like to see everything moving in sort of lockstep, but it's hard to pick just one indicator uh, to say things are, are looking bearish or bullish because there's constantly divergences uh, across the board. Um, depending on what you're looking at and each each sort of has a mind of its own and you know I think some degree of what we're seeing in precious metals isn't just a uh, a spike or you know some type of speculative boost with all the headlines that gold and silver have been getting with their rally as much as you're beginning to see what diminished buying power looks like and with cryptos having a great Saturday into a pretty big sell-off uh, overnight this morning um, it does look like they are following the same trend and so I'm, I'm definitely much more bullish on crypto than I was before, not because I necessarily believe in the, the crypto narrative or feel strongly about one crypto uh, or one coin versus another as much as this is an asset that has an intrinsic value. And the market has established that there is a price, there's a market for this thing. And so regardless of what that value is established on, whether it is gold or crypto, uh, the amount of dollars to purchase this item, the buying power, uh, is continuing to be reduced. So we're going to see that that creep up. And it doesn't need to be based on a speculative move like we saw in 2017 with crypto as much as the dollar is, is going to continue to weaken. We've seen the DXY, the dollar exchange, maybe not a perfect uh, metric for the dollar. Uh, crater at the end of the week with a nice spike. I think a lot of dollar bears um, you know, think it can go much lower. Dollar bulls think it's prime for a spike. Um, me personally, I think it's a good indicator, something to watch if you are holding big uh, precious metal positions like I am since uh, prices on gold and silver tend to inverse the DXY. Um, I don't think it's the best way to really see what all of the uh, money printing has done and certainly none of the inflation metrics that economists use are really telling the whole story there. Uh, but for me, what really illustrates it has got to be those precious metals and also crypto starting to play along. Now, with crypto, I still see a risk if the uh, markets tank and they go with it, but I think there is definitely beginning to be a shift in terms of at least how I see crypto and perhaps how the market bandages uh, crypto with a lot of new players beginning to um, take up large positions, primarily hedge funds. Um, so, you know, it might not be a bad time if, if you are interested in crypto to start tranching some positions, but I think they should be considered in the same asset class as um, some of those uh, precious metals. And I don't see that run for the precious metals continue or running out anytime soon. I mean, gold about to break through $2,000 uh, per ounce and I think that silver, um, despite selling off around $26, has room to double or triple um, in the next year time frame. And another stimulus bill and another Fed beef injection into the economy isn't going to do anything really but continue to pump up those assets or anything with an intrinsic value. So there's definitely, in my head, a diminished return to doing the same thing, thinking that you know more stimulus pumping, more debt uh, to replace um, any of the actual productivity uh, or income of the 
swaths of unemployed people is going to be a replacement for a healthy functioning economy. Um, and while there is the COVID asterisk on anything, I don't think this could be considered a healthy economy. And also there isn't sort of a line in the sand date uh, that I think it makes sense to to price in a return. So if if that full return, you know, by the end of the year is priced in, I think in a few months we will find that that we are not quite in the place that we may have expected uh, when when this all began. That it would be a few month thing, but rather an ongoing, lasting impact that that is felt. So I certainly feel much more comfortable long term with the the metals and potentially crypto than. Uh, holding anything other than a couple of those top tech names, which, you know, even then if the conditions do change in, in terms of the availability of discretionary funds for their customer base, then, you know, there, there's some risk there. But uh, I, I don't think that, um, you know, loading up on a big short position is, is going to be uh, necessary just yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do see some selling Monday just because that has been the trend. So bear or bull, I think everyone's going to find a little something to like as we move forward. Um, if you just, you know, pick whatever meets your bias, but I don't think we're going to get much of a conclusive uh, direction um, anytime soon. And certainly any surge up or down is going to be met by strong buying or selling, um, keeping that, that balance zone intact. Yeah, let me jump in with some quick thoughts on the macro numbers and precious metals that are going to be ultra bullish. I think on this podcast, I'm just establishing myself as the bull cheerleader. And then we can get to your uh, picks for the week ahead um, and forecast. But first off, on the, on the GDP and unemployment stuff, I mean, I really think it's a terrible proxy for the stock market. Uh, you think about the 30% plus or whatever it was, 32% dip in GDP. I mean, first off, I think that number is going to be heavily upwardly revised um, in the months ahead. I mean, it always is amazing to me how terrible the precision is on a 1% GDP move, much less a 32% GDP move. So I'll be interested to see what the revision comes in there. Additionally, like when you look at the components of GDP, how much, actu- how much of them actually have to do with the top 500 companies um, in the stock market, you know, whether you're looking at an SPY or like a Dow Jones or anything like that. I, I just think the connection there is pretty tenuous and, and again, like uh, you know, Ben Carlson, I really recommend his blog, uh, but he has some good numbers out there of uh, what the stock market has done immediately after you know, huge negative GDP or high unemployment uh, numbers are reported. And as you would expect, it, it's heavily uh, positive, right? Or uh, excuse me, those things are inversely correlated. So big GDP drop, big unemployment, uh, stock market usually outperforms in the months afterward. And, and that's, of course, because the market is forward-looking. Um, so again, I, I don't really look at these macro numbers and say, hey, this is going to be terrible for Apple or Amazon or Facebook or Google or Caterpillar or, or you know any of the companies that are really going to drive uh, the market going forward. So those are my thoughts on there. I mean, as you, you mentioned this, but I don't think like, a, even if you're bearish on the economy, that doesn't necessarily mean an SPY short is going to work out in your favor. On the metal stuff, you know, I, I do agree it's interesting that uh, metals are rallying and the stock market is rallying at the same time. But the way I interpreted that is instead of being bearish on the stock market, to me, that suggests that the market is pricing in a heavy amount of inflation. That's why you see these metals and crypto running up. And that's why you see stocks running up. I mean, for a lot of stocks, you know, it's either because they own hard assets, which are going to appreciate in value if you see inflation, or because there are zero interest rates any company that can produce a positive return on equity is better than having cash or putting it in a money market or 
um, you know, savings account. You look at Apple, right? Apple has no issues producing a high teens return on equity. Even the banks can produce, you know, pretty good returns on equity. And I think that's why you see Warren Buffett, you know, accumulating whatever it is, you know, $1.7 billion in Bank of America over the last two weeks. So Buffett has been very active uh, in playing Bank of America in the 22 and 23 range. And of course, we talked about uh, his Dominion asset purchase uh, on, on this podcast. So Buffett beginning to dip into the market. I just think people see what the Fed is doing and they see another round of stimulus coming and they think, well, there's going to be inflation at some point, right? Unlike 08 and 09, you're directly putting cash in, into consumers' hands. So instead of banks getting money and deciding whether or whether not to lend it out, now consumers directly have cash. If you increase the money supply, the cash money supply specifically, it's hard not to think there would be inflation. Um, so I remain extremely bullish on stocks, extremely bullish on precious metals. I don't really know anything about crypto, so it's difficult for me to forecast there. Uh, your guess is as good as mine, but I, I would think crypto is going to track silver and gold pretty closely. Uh, but again, I, I, I think for me, fundamentally, I'm long SPY and I'm long precious metals. I um, own a ton of gold, uh, own a ton of stocks, so pretty happy just sitting here and not doing anything, staying long and strong. Yeah, and before we get into some some earnings report plays, got a couple interesting ones coming up. I just did want to toss out a couple plays uh, tangential to that discussion. Um, since I think we both continue to be bullish on gold and silver, uh, still definitely the largest long position I have. I think there's a great way to get some good value exposure in the precious metal space still uh, with miners. So a uh, good place to play there would be the GDX ETF, um, which is a, a miners uh, index ETF. But there's a number of names that both from a technical standpoint uh, and also just from the fact that when your product is something that appreciates in price without you needing to invest in R&D or any type of capital cost, you know, for example, semiconductors, you got to invest billions and billions of dollars, the latest uh, process technology to make the fastest processors to compete. So in order to have that high profitability and that proprietary technology, it takes massive investment. And the longer you have that proprietary technology, the less proprietary it becomes. So its value uh, definitely is, is amortized over time, but you have you know, the need to continue reinvesting. In, in precious metals, if your product just continues to appreciate in value without additional investment necessary from your side, your profitability and your margins are just going to continue to increase. Uh, so we've seen the, the miners definitely lagging behind gold, throw out a couple names. Uh, Newmont, NEM, uh, dipped a little bit on earnings last week, but definitely popped up uh, uh, towards the end of the week. So uh, could be a good buying opportunity there, the largest uh, gold mine. Um, also, Barrick's Gold, G-O-L-D, which will be rep uh, reporting uh, next week. Uh, so could see a run up there. Looks primed for a breakout. Um, from a technical standpoint. And then Yamana Gold, AUY, and Kinross Gold, KGC, um, some, some very value plays there, but ones that have been booming, seeing a ton of uh, very bullish call activity there. So those are nice, uh, just, you know, maybe you get some leaps on those, just some, some cheap uh, option plays there, and those will certainly continue to catch up and uh, should possibly even outpace the precious metals over the next few weeks while the value there is realized um, in, in that minor space. And similarly, um, 
with crypto, there's a few options to get some exposure in the stock market. Um, you know, right now, I think you know, just throwing money into crypto is one way to play. But uh, a couple names, and these are small cap, definitely some penny stock plays. But uh, seeing some massive open interest at the August um, in the money strikes. So that would be Riot Blockchain and Marathon Patent Technologies. Um, so those those are two real cheap plays that, based on some of the memification that we're seeing elsewhere, the genus brand type stocks or whatever, I definitely think that there is much more of a narrative here behind if we do actually see a significant move from crypto, and especially if it begins to uh, be headline news again, um, these appear to be two best plays on with you know some some options available with you know relatively low iv right now i think there is a good chance to get in on something that could uh potentially even outpace uh crypto if crypto starts picking up and we do see a lot of bullishness in that space so don't sleep on the miners and definitely you know find find a way to maybe get a little crypto exposure in the stock market as well any uh any thoughts on what riot blockchain actually does i'm on their investor relations right now Riot Blockchain tends to gain exposure to the blockchain ecosystem through its cryptocurrency mining operations. So, so is it actually a mining company, just digital mining? Yeah, so my, my understanding is that they do uh, just operate as a miner uh, there in Las Vegas, I believe. Um, but I think more important than what they do is the fact that they are definitely one of the uh, top crypto names that are traded and exchanged. Again, the high amount of volume the last week seems to indicate to me that there is uh, some potential there or a lot of speculative positions. So I'll be completely honest with you. Do I know how they monetize their crypto position? I do not, sir. But if it is based on crypto values and crypto going up, uh, their, their, inter or their, their revenues will, will certainly be going up as well. Yep. I actually think it's a better way to play it than getting on a Coinbase or trying to have a digital wallet. I know some of the tax implications of buying and selling crypto through those can get kind of hairy. Uh, so I do like the idea of playing it through stocks. Uh, you know, moving on from crypto, I know you got a lot of thoughts on some of the cloud names and also Moderna and Nikola reporting this week. Yeah, so even though we had uh, the real big names reporting last week, we're still in the thick of earnings season. So I think that there are several uh, enticing plays that, that we can be looking at. So a couple that stand out to me, and there are a number. Uh, one, Nikola is uh, a name that I've been watching. Obviously, Vaporware right now, they don't have path of profitability with their uh, electric vehicles until 2021 at the earliest, but with warrants coming off and also what are you looking for in an earnings report, the first earnings report for a company with no revenue, um, that could potentially be a launch pad to send these guys moving up in really a stock that tracks uh, Tesla, much like the rest of the EV industry, uh, like NEO, um, Solo, some of some of those companies that are really tied to what the movement is of Tesla. Uh, if Tesla starts moving up this week and we see a strong reaction to them not losing as much money as people think, uh, the price right now sitting um, at around 30 bucks for Nikola presents a, a good entry point for a potentially big move up uh, considering the post-IPO action. Um, also Moderna on Wednesday afternoon. And the reason this one stands out to me is because of the significant amount of insider selling um, going on for Moderna. So uh, considering that huge pump um, a couple weeks ago on news that there are some promising results going into the phase three trials for their vaccine uh, and then three different iterations of reframing that same 
uh, PR uh, piece to kind of pump the stock. Seeing their CEO, CMO, CFO, just basically everyone in their C-suite dump a whole bunch of stock definitely does not bode well going into earnings here. So uh, insider selling is one of the better indications as far as a heat check on a stock. And Moderna's dipped a little bit from that crazy run it went on a couple weeks ago. Uh, but seeing as it's up basically 100% in the last three weeks um, for a company that still has not actually brought a vaccine to market ever, um, and some weakness in the biotech space, uh, there's definitely a potential for, for a sell-off there. Um, big one that stands out also Wednesday after hours is Square. Um, they've been on a, a pretty impressive run coming out of their March lows uh, up over 100%, and a lot of that on the strength of their contactless payment system and explosive growth in Cash App. Um, we saw last week Visa's earning report show some real strong consumer spending, um, but What's risky with Square is their high exposure for the small business space. About 55% of their business comes from that small business space, uh, which has been most impacted by shutdowns. So we would expect that to really affect the number this quarter. Um, and it's cooled off a bit from the all-time highs that it had hit uh, earlier this month. Um, so definitely not too overextended going into earnings, but we could see that change prior to Wednesday. Uh, so even though you know there is some risk there, I will point out that the last earnings was a missed for Square, but um, by open the next day, uh, they kicked off a massive short squeeze and just went on uh, an epic run that's basically still continuing. Um, so there's definitely some upside there with, with Square, um, but certainly some, some risk if, if there is a, a kind of disturbing trend there in consumer spending that's exposed based on their customer base. Uh, we got Roku Wednesday after hours. They've been on a crazy run. Um, I, you know, my original thesis going into the big earnings report last Thursday is we'd seen a number of uh, heroes really dump after just a big um, run-up, even though they posted beat on uh, revenue and earnings. So uh, Roku will definitely have a high amount of volume, certainly on the call side, but I don't know if that's that's what I'm playing. But uh, I think this is a big, huge week, as you pointed out, for cloud stocks. And some of the, the cloud darlings, some friends of our podcast here, like uh, Datadog reporting Thursday after hours up 100% from its previous earnings call. But we also got Chegg in the education space. Monday after hours could definitely benefit from uh, the lack of school reopenings. We got Twilio Tuesday after hours. Fastly, who's been on an unholy tear, reporting Wednesday after hours. Uh, and then Dropbox and Cloudflare also Thursday after hours. So with these guys, they're all up substantially uh, over the last three months. And um, I've definitely been on record saying this is one market sector that I'm very bullish on. Uh, but I think there is some risk here, seeing as a couple of the cloud darlings have taken a bit of a beating. Uh, see, for example, Atlassian Teams and also uh, ServiceNow last week um, having a, a bit of a sell-off after their earnings. Um, this dovetails with that AWS, AWS miss that um, we saw and with these cloud-based companies that have been on a crazy run-up, I definitely think there is, is some risk there. But uh, I bet you'll probably be pretty bullish on some of these like Fastly. So interested to get your thoughts, Ben. Yeah, you guessed it. I mean, uh, I think you're right on the team. Uh, Atlassian and ServiceNow did disappoint a bit because the expectations were so high. Uh, you know, quick aside, I may have a special guest on to discuss ServiceNow earnings this week. Um, but I don't know how much you can read into that. I'm very interested to look at uh, Twilio, um, Square, as you said, Roku, perhaps less related. Um, 
But on the Twilio side, I mean, I think Twilio drives so many of the email and uh, text messaging solutions for the e-commerce players. And with expectations that e-commerce is booming, I'd be interested to see if, how that passes through to Twilio. I mean, it, all the Twilio essentially is the, the de facto API for email solutions, which they do through SendGrid um, and through MMS and SMS messaging. So all text message stuff. So I would expect them to have a pretty good quarter um, relative to expectations. I don't know what Wall Street is pricing in. Uh, Cloudflare is one we've talked about, another friend of the podcast. Again, all the concerns around security um, and uh, that, as well as performance around uh, said security. So, you know, can you have firewalls and other things um, in the cloud that are performant? You know, I, I'd look for Cloudflare. Uh, to be kind of a bellwether for how companies are are managing um, work from home and doing it so in a secure and performant way. Uh, Datadog, you know, monitoring and um, making sure you have all your logs aggregated in a central place. Just like Twilio, I I think it's the foundation of uh, a lot of the e-commerce and payment processing stuff. You need logging for everything. So it should benefit from the e-commerce and payment processing uptrends. So watching... uh, I think if I had to pick three, I'm really zoned in on. It's Twilio, um, it's Datadog, um, and it is Cloudflare. Fastly, I don't know that much about content delivery networks and uh, basically what Fastly is being used for across the cloud. Um, But I may want to take a peek at that uh, just because their stock has been on such a monster run. I think uh, we'll get to this, but in our Daily Fantasy Sports pricing, uh, Fastly has the highest implied volatility and is therefore the most expensive name. Um, so I like to think of this week as the, some of the foundations of the cloud or maybe some of the things that are a little bit upstream um, to what you might traditionally think is the beneficiaries of COVID. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to, uh, to see how these guys report. Um, and it, it will definitely help me think about whether I'm still extremely bullish on the tech names. Uh, so I'm pretty excited for the week ahead. And just to, to round out the earnings, a couple names that uh, we didn't really talk about, but still some, some big ones to watch. Uh, we've got Beyond Meat on Tuesday after hours. Activision Blizzard, seeing a lot of very bullish call activity on them. A lot of people staying home playing video games, so that seems like a safe play. Uh, Disney, Tuesday after close, um, will also be interesting there since most of their revenue stream is still pretty depressed from uh, much of the, the COVID uh, activity. And then we've also got Wayfair Wednesday before open might just be interesting to see them uh, get flop sweaty trying to answer some questions on their call about uh, shipping uh, traffic girls in overpriced industrial lockers. So that might be one to tune in for. Um, but we also got Wix sort of in that um, e-commerce internet space. Definitely uh, one I'm bullish on moving forward, but it's been on a crazy, crazy run. So they really need to post some strong earnings numbers or excuse me, strong growth numbers to continue that trend. Uh, we've also got Uber on Thursday, which if you've tried to take an Uber, I personally use Lyft ride lately. Uh, you can't get any cars. Those drivers are much happier getting unemployment than, than being a driver. So I don't see a lot of positivity to come out of there in terms of growing driver numbers. So some, some risk, but uh, plenty of, of good plays and looking forward to breaking these down next week. But uh, Unless you got any thoughts there, Ben, definitely excited to get into our uh, Wall Street bets for the week ahead. Yes, let's do a quick recap of, I guess we're going to call it Street Bets. Uh, Names still to be determined, but let's take a look at last week and then talk quickly through our lineups for this week. So last week, I was able to 
get a pretty nice victory over you. I believe 22% or 26% to uh, 6%. So we just do this by adding all the returns from July 24th to July 31st. What really killed you this week was DraftKings, uh, negative 11% return. Uh, you, uh, you, you chose too long, long that name. Pretty, pretty expensive. It uh, came in at 14000 on the pricing. So talk about your, uh, your thinking behind DraftKings and what went wrong there. So the setup was great in DraftKings. Again, another stock uh, recently IPO with warrants coming off, and that tends to be uh, a, a signal there or um, a catalyst for a strong move up. Um, definitely playing around the sports are returning narrative, which if you are a sports person, this bizarro uh, sports world is, is very welcome having something uh, to stare at, at at a bar if, if that's your thing. Uh, but one thing I certainly couldn't have anticipated was baseball games being canceled in the update from uh, MLB commissioner Rob Manfred that, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of risk in the season finishing if there is continuing to be uh, cases. We've also heard things out of the NBA. I believe it was Mo Williams with a little strip club visit, um, putting a lot of other players at risk. So uh, investors definitely saw that risk and were not comfortable uh, piling in quite the same way I was. But uh, DraftKings definitely got me down there um, probably better than my other play, which would have been an AMD short would have. So um, I think either way I was setting myself up for trouble. Uh, but I still think that the crowd strike long was definitely uh, a good play. And if it wasn't for that um, huge rally at the end of the day, Friday uh, definitely would have been positive on that value spy short. Um, and looking to run that one out again, a little foreshadowing here. But yeah, DraftKings, that, that was a tough beat and definitely uh, a strong, strong lineup from you this week, Ben. Yes, uh, just to take my victory lap, um, I, what really led me this week was Mercado Libre, a name I'm actually thinking of adding to my long-only portfolio and have in my lineup uh, for this week. I uh, got that at 12500 uh, almost a 14% return there, and they didn't even report earnings. So quick uh, thoughts on Mercado Libre. I think I want to do a longer post on this, but again, this is kind of the South American version of Shopify that's been around a little bit longer. Um, you know, Latin America is totally underpenetrated uh, as it pertains to e-commerce. You know, I, I uh, threw out this Economist article on Twitter that was really interesting. Um, half of Latin Americans do not have a bank account. Um, e-commerce is a very small percentage of overall transactions, so there's a lot of room to run there. Uh, biggest threat, obviously, is Amazon um, and other kind of American companies that might look to enter the space. But Mercado's been around a long time. We just had a CEO switch uh, last or this year, excuse me. Uh, but new CEO uh, has some Wall Street experience. He's been around the block. Um, I think this company definitely at a $56 billion valuation versus Shopify's $120 billion plus um, can do really well. I mean, emerging market stuff too, I want to talk about. I think if you have international or specifically emerging markets exposure in your portfolio, you want to hold on to that. And that's for the same reason I think we're seeing precious metals rally. It's because of dollar weakness. So as the dollar goes down, you would expect uh, emerging markets to do really well uh, because, again, uh, their purchasing power relative to the dollar should go up. So they're not going to get hurt on uh, numbers like FX-adjusted revenue, uh, which, you know, Mercado Libre is an example. First quarter, they reported 70% FX-neutral revenue, but only 38% when it's adjusted. And, and that's because the dollar was so strong. So I love international names um, if you think the dollar is going to go down. Uh, but yeah, th this week, 
22% or excuse me, 26% overall return. Um, other names, you know, gold at 4% for the week, uh, Nvidia 4% for the week. ServiceNow, even though it did terrible on earnings and uh, fell well short of analyst expectations, uh, still rounded out a 3% return there. Um, so pretty much positive on all my names, uh, except for Blackstone. Uh, but that was only 77 bips down, so pretty happy with the performance. Um, this week, let's start by talking about your lineup. Uh, you have Moderna, which you gave a quick overview before. Uh, I, I assume you chose to go short there because the entire C-level suite basically is also short because they own no stock um, or neutral. They're deciding not to be long. Um, and yeah, you got a couple other interesting names too. Yeah, so right here, I, I'm just following the the clues and, and reading the tea leaves that have been left out for me, uh, and especially when it comes to earnings season, which I think a lot of the big moves, and they are priced appropriately, but a lot of the big moves that we're going to see are going to continue to be uh, around earnings. So Moderna, as I mentioned, uh, the, the C-suite can't get rid of their stock quick enough, um, and that never bodes well going into the earnings season. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to start seeing some really bearish uh, option flow there. Uh, Activision mentioned them earlier as uh, definitely one that's seen a lot of bullish um, action coming into this week. Um, had a great uh, performance following earnings last uh, last earnings season, so looking for some upside. Um, we got a, a returner this week in Newmont. Um, after dipping a little bit on earnings, even though they returned about uh, a little under 4% last week, uh, I only see miners continuing to uh, add value here. Um, also looking at Barrick's Gold, G-O-L-D, um, as a potential play in that space. I'll also be running out the SPY short again here. Uh, even though we did see that strong rally at the end of the week, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we do end lower than that 327 number. I don't think that necessarily means that a major sell-off is afoot, um, but any any sharp rally is is certain to be met by some some selling as well. Um, and the mar rest of the market really needs to catch up to the queues if we are going to see a sustained move up. Um, Qualcomm is a play based on the news last week uh, about the settlement with Huawei and their 5G technology clearing the way for uh, Qualcomm and 5G licensing. Uh, made a huge move up last week, but uh, definitely see some continuation there, and it's in the right space, being essentially a chip stock. Uh, and lastly, I'm taking along with Square. Um, like the price going into the week, um, and with a beat, and definitely based on the uh, stage that's been set by PayPal and Visa, uh, I think that there is definitely a favorable look for Square. And again, even if they don't beat um, I wouldn't be surprised if we still see them green the next day, even if they are down after hours. It's just been that type of stock. Um, so feeling, feeling pretty good about these picks ahead, but the tough thing about earnings is you kind of never know what the response is going to be. But uh, if you're making some bets, this is something I definitely want to bet on, even if it's not necessarily something I'm um, putting my investment bucks down on. Yeah, I, I like your square pick. I think it'll be interesting to see if kind of small and medium-sized businesses of the world um, are coming back a little bit because it does seem like square plays a lot in that space. Um, and again, maybe PayPal is somewhat of a bellwether for uh, for square. So maybe they'll follow PayPal's lead and have a blowout quarter. Uh, for my portfolio, I got four longs and two shorts. Um, one of my longs already talked about, uh, Mercado Libre at 10900 uh, fastly, I picked the most expensive name at fourteen grand. Um, 
actually really just wanted to own this in order to learn more about the company and you know whatever I own something even if it's with plain money uh, like following along on the earnings call and kind of getting smart on it so that was the motivation there although I think it should benefit from the general trends of tech services uh, being valuable uh, in the post-COVID world Bank of America at 6700 that's all the Oracle of Omaha um, Buffett has really increased his purchases here so that's been nice um, so I think there should be mo- some momentum Apple at 6,400 coming out of blowout earnings. Uh, I, I think that four to one stock split is making people excited. Um, again, everything we heard on the earnings call was fantastic. I am short Starbucks and Caterpillar. Starbucks earnings call, uh, even though I, I still kind of want to be long that name long term, uh, earnings was really not that great, even though the stock did pretty well after hours. So the market viewed it as positive. Um, I, I think still Starbucks is facing some pretty difficult headwinds. Uh, so I expect that to sell off a little bit this week. And Caterpillar, of course, general proxy for economic activity. Um, again, hard to think anyone is, is taking on big construction projects in the worst pandemic of all time. Uh, so yeah, I want to go short cyclicals, uh, short Starbucks. So mostly long portfolio and then uh, some value shorts uh, with Starbucks and Caterpillar. So we will see how that plays out. I have a feeling that Fastly um, is going to be what determines whether I, uh, I live to see a victory here. Um, that's probably the one I feel least confident about, but highest implied volatility uh, market predicting in 140% uh, implied vol move. So that, that's kind of crazy, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited for this week. An all-time series tied it at 1-1 for those of you keeping track at home. And again, uh, Ben tweets out the salaries uh, weekly here. So we look forward to any of you at home uh, throwing in your lineup. Uh, we'll definitely give you a shout out on the show to see how you compare to the, uh, the pros here. Uh, so if you think you can pick them better than the stock talking fellas here, then I definitely welcome the uh, the the competition so folks out there in the audience let us know what your lineups are and love to see uh you know some of your picks definitely yeah so I, i'm pretty sure you could for the listeners out there uh, it'd be difficult to to lose to sean and myself considering how horrendous some of our picks have been in the past uh, but yeah look forward to people participating um, any closing words before we end this podcast I look forward to you uh, wrapping up this upcoming week as being the most impressive week you've seen again, because I feel like that is the world we live in. It's always unexpected. So I'm sure we will be living in a much different uh, world of investing in finance the next time we uh, fire up this this particular podcast. So folks, uh, hold on to your seat. It's going to be a, a fun one this week. Yeah. Can I throw out SPY 400 by your end? Just go heavy contrarian. So you heard it first on the Stock Talking podcast that that is the, the year-end target for me. I see your, your SPY 420 and raise you a SPY or I see your SPY 400 and I, I raise it to SPY 420. I just ruined my own joke. That wasn't that funny. So <laughs> that might be a good place to call it here. So. We can edit that one out. All right, buddy. As always, it has been an honor. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. And as usual, happy trading. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit postcoronastocks.com.